Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Miriam Suela Perez. And I'm Vero Valleti Flores, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we have another installment in our Cuarentena series with a really exciting guest, Alinda Mariposa Segarra from Hooray for the Riff Raff. Welcome! Hi guys! Hi! I'm so happy to be here. So happy to have you. Yeah, <laughs> you're, this is so exciting. I have to tell you that my partner's six-year-old loves you. Oh my and God, has, cool. Yeah, my partner's Puerto Rican, so she's influenced, I think, by her mommy's music taste. But she loves you to the point where she's been making up a lot of imaginary siblings during cuarentena because she's very lonely, poor only child. Oh my God. And one day, a couple weeks ago, she told me that you were her sister. Oh my God. <laughs> so I might need to take a picture or something of this. She's not here right now, but um, to show her because she's like a huge fan of yours. <laughs> Tell her that she's right. I've always wanted a sister. So. Yeah. I will tell her you said that. She has a lot of like sad girl vibes. So I think some of your older music really. Like oh, I feel that. <laughs> so we started this episode listening to a song off of Belinda's latest um, album, uh, The Navigator. It's called Living in the City. Let's take another listen to it. Oh, living in the city. Well, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. song so much and I really love the video for it it's so cute and so much like you know New York City I love you know I, I'm a, a New Yorker I love New York I've been here for 13 14 years and it's just like very like uh, rooftop street life voguing vibes totally <laughs> yeah and my cousin is actually dancing in that too my cousin Aww. Diana so it was really it was so such a like stepping out of my comfort zone because in the past I've always been like I'll just like show up for a second and then can I go away and everybody else looks really cool <laughs> and I'm trying to like do a little bit be in the videos a little bit more but I wanted to show that like girl gang summertime New York vibe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been living in New Orleans for like 14 years wow almost. and yeah. and yet like no matter what I do I still am a New Yorker you know right. still it just gets it's just in me so yeah I was thinking the about that. out of the girl yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I was thinking about that looking at this some of the songs we're going to talk about from your 20 this 2017 album right yeah um, so long ago it's yeah crazy. that has such a New York yeah such a New York focus in terms of the visuals and the lyrics you know the sound obviously is so influenced by your time in the South, but what, you know, is it, is it a nostalgia for New York? Is it a nostalgia for your childhood? It, like what's that relationship so many years later? Well, the navigator was really, it was a really big turning point in my life because I was grappling with just like my identity in the face mm -hmm. of being wrapped up in this Americana world and this Americana music scene 
you know, like I went into folk music because I love old field recordings and I love music from working people and poor people and like Mm -hmm. struggle and resistance. And also it's like music of people of color. Mm. And yet when I got really wrapped up in the Americana music scene, I started feeling like it was very whitewashed. And I was just like, this is not who I am. How do I get back to who I am? And the navigator was all about grappling with all the shit that I ran away from that I ended up missing so much. I, I recorded it while I was living in Nashville, which is like mm. one of the darkest times of my life. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I was really, my, my grandparents, my last remaining grandparent had just passed away and I was struggling with what does it mean to be a New Yorican? What does it mean to be from the Bronx? What it, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So I created this storyline and this kind of conceptual album to grapple with identity and living in the middle of everything and and for mm-hmm. me never feeling like I fit into anything really you know I was always an outsider and the navigator is all about diving back in and being like what if I reclaim all this and say that just because I'm confusing it doesn't mean that this isn't who I am you know mm-hmm. Wow. What took you to Nashville? Well, I had been recording there for a couple of years. So I, and it's, it was also like cheap at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had been in, in New Orleans for a while and I was just like, it's time to try something new, you know? And I went and I just was so lonely mm-hmm. and it was really mm-hmm. good for me. Going to Nashville was when I was like, oh, I am not like all these other people that are surrounding me. (laughs) You know, I was just like, wow, for the first time in my life, like I am definitely a fucking New Yorican, you know, like you live in in New Orleans and it's like very Caribbean and it's just Mm -hmm. New Orleans has its own swag and being in Nashville is like, I do not fucking belong. Mm -hmm. So it was really good for me. And it was a time that I was able to like really connect with my ancestors and have Mm -hmm. this like, dark night of the soul and the navigator is what came out of that process wow one thing that i think is really dope is that this you know the navigator as you said was like a like a concept album right like you sort of had this character that you built and this narrative arc throughout it and i remember interviewing you like back in the day when small town heroes came out and you're like i think it's like you know i've been listening to david bowie maybe i want to do a concept album next oh, yeah, <laughs> cool. like you did that shit like <laughs> that's amazing mm-hmm. you know yeah it was you know i've been really throughout the years trying to challenge that inner voice when I he- when I hear a voice in my head that says you'll never be able to do that which is mm-hmm. what I felt when I thought I wanted to make a concept album I immediately heard a voice that said you're too lazy you don't have enough of a drive and I was so sure I had to prove that voice wrong or be like you know what thanks for the fucking tip but <laughs> you know what I mean yeah so it was a really it, it was a long process, but it's taught me so much about creating and how to be like, you plant the seed and it doesn't have to be an immediate thing. It taught me so much about being patient with myself and with ideas. Mm. And it's, it's really carried me to where I am now creatively. It's so wild to hear somebody like you say that you have that voice. And of course, I think I know so many like brilliant, successful, wonderful women and you know, people that are like not cis men (laughs) have that voice inside of them. And it's just like, it's, you know, when I, when I have that voice, I'm like, yep, that voice is completely reasonable. I'm totally not smart and not together enough. But it's like, when I hear other people say it, it's like, that's absurd. (laughs) It's like, it helps me be like, okay, yes, it's absurd. Mm -hmm. No, that's been, and you know, this time off, I mean, I had time off before we all went into quarantine but this time has been a lot about a self healing journey for me mm. and a lot cuz you know when when i'm on the road it's like a continuation of my life running away you know it's like yes. being in the hustle being yeah. on the go being surrounded by people and when i have quiet time it's like, are you going to deal with your childhood? Are you going to do You know what I mean? Oh my God, I can <laughs> like, so relate to that. <laughs> I'm still here, all of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? 
So I've been using this time to try and work it out and try to be kinder to myself. And like, and those voices are present with me. And Mm -hmm. I've been trying to be more open about it because Mm -hmm. I, I feel like my main goal right now with my music and my existence is I want other outsiders and queers and artists to just try to stay alive. That's like Mm -hmm. my latest just like throughout all this, I'm like, I want you guys here. I want, I, yeah. I need you. Yeah. So I'm trying to be open about what I struggle with. So other mm-hmm. people know, you know. That's really beautiful. I wonder about, you know, you, you described like realizing in Nashville that like this like Americana scene was not yours. You didn't fit in. And even the term Americana, right? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what is yeah. America? Like, who's included in yeah. that, you know? Because it's really broader than the United States. Um, but is not seen that way. Um, how how are you relating like now? Like, do you have a sort of like genre identity? Like, where are you landing? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I've been definitely, I've been struggling with that genre because now it's like, I'm just going with whatever I think sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I love a lot of this like alt electronic Latin weirdo music that's coming mm-hmm. out, you know, like futuristic, but Caribbean and, and all of these, I've been really leaning towards anything that has themes of nature and themes of the natural worlds. And so that's kind of the world that I'm moving towards or that I'm trying to move towards. But I always feel like, I, I think I learned a lesson with the with small town heroes I'm like I'm just not gonna subscribe to a genre because I mm-hmm. I feel like before I thought it didn't matter I was like I don't know call it Americana I don't give a fuck what you call it and I'm right. like I just don't call it that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah totally yeah a lot of, I think a lot of the people we've interviewed for this series um have felt similarly like not wanting any labels you know genre labels feeling really restricted by that wanting more freedom to explore Yeah, I just see myself as a storyteller and a songwriter and whatever the story is, whether it's my own story or telling, being a witness to something, I'm going to serve that song. And Mm -hmm. those, those are the people that I love the most, you know, those are the influences I have are people that are just serving the song. And instead of it being about them, it's about how do I tell this story the best way I can, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's take it to listen to another song that's also from Navigator, the 2017 album. That's a, definitely a storytelling piece. This is called 14 Floors. Let's take a listen.
so I really, I again, like your storytelling is a piece of your work that really speaks to me. Um, and I'm interested in knowing, well, first of all, if you can talk about this song and sort of like the storytelling piece of this song. I think I saw a live performance of you um, with this song where you talk about this being like a song about immigrants and about, you know, finding yourself where you are. And um, I'm just interested where and how the storytelling piece like comes into your creative process. Well, this song means a lot to me because my dad is who gave me the idea for it. My dad's a musician mm. and an artist, and he was a music teacher for a long time. And he's also a Vietnam veteran. And he was born in Puerto Rico. He was born in Ponce. And um, he is always coming up with ideas. And I remember him being like, you should write a song. He's very like a beatnik. And he, he was just mm. like, you should write a song about growing up 14 floors in the, the sky like a bird in a, in a nest, you know? <laughs> wow. And I, it always stuck with me. And, you know, then when I thought about it in the context of the album, my character, she's put under a very deep sleep for decades. And when she wakes up, this city that she wanted to get away from and this identity and her people and her everything the trappings of society she wakes up and she's in the same city but it's been gentrified so much that she doesn't recognize anything and she doesn't know where all her people went and she doesn't know where everything went to you know um mm -hmm. and that really is my experience running away from new york and running away from trying to run away from who i am you know mm -hmm. and um this song is about, it's also about my father's journey and just thinking about my family's journey from Puerto Rico to the States. And my dad said that the plane ride, now it's like two hours, you know, but at the time they had to fly to Miami and then from Miami mm. they had to fly to New York. And he said it felt like it was just a million years long. You know, he was, yeah. he was a little kid, but when they got to New York, it was in the middle, I think they landed in Newark and it was in the middle of a snowstorm. My mm -hmm. grandmother had never seen snow before, you know, and, and yeah, this journey to me, it was like, this is like an intergalactic journey. This is like a journey of all the ancestors. I just thought I saw this thread, this like, you know, trail of people and their journeys being connected and I just thought that was such a beautiful way to put it like it felt like a million years to get here and then you get here and people tell you to go back you know uh, yeah. it's like the how fucking infuriating that must be you know and I don't know what that's like but I only have my father to tell me what that feels like and mm -hmm. um so this, the song means so much to me because it is about growing up so high up in the sky above the city and just kind of falling down to earth and losing everything. And now when I go to New York, there's so much I miss and there's so much I feel like, why didn't I just savor that? You know, mm -hmm. why was I embarrassed of that? I miss my family getting together. I miss my loud ass cousins. I miss like mm -hmm. basement parties. My grandmother's alive. And like, so it's, and I feel like everybody goes through this, you know, I feel yeah. like, so I thought it was a really important song to write because as we all age, as we all learn how important these moments are. Um, so. Yeah. I definitely can relate to that. Like I talk a lot on the show about like really rejecting a lot of like my Cuban cultural stuff until I left and went to college in like Pennsylvania. And then all of a sudden I was like homesick for all these things, you know? Yeah. That, like, of I really course. took for granted um, as a kid. Yeah, what's, of course. What's your relationship like with your family now? I know you've kind of talked a little bit about the challenges you had when you left home and some of that time when you were kind of traveling. Yeah, I've been, you know, me, my aunt and uncle raised me and we are still extremely close. She's my mom and mm. I call her all the time. And now I'm like totally obsessed with her. And, like, you know, <laughs> um, she's a really incredible 
person and I feel so lucky that she chose to raise me. And me and my dad are also very close. We have a very special connection and he's been through so much and his trauma, he never shielded me from his trauma ever since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think the kids of Vietnam veterans is a very important it's an important experience to talk about because I Mm -hmm. feel like it's a war that we don't talk about, you know, and he never shielded me from the fact that he was a Marine and he was put on the front lines because he's Puerto Rican, because he's Brown and Mm -hmm. black people and Brown people were put on the front lines. Mm -hmm. And he never shielded that from me, you know, and I, it really informed my radicalism and it turned me into a punk and it turned me into an artist. And I'm really grateful that he was straight up with me. So, you know, but it's, it's like as a complicated person, as like a queer person that doesn't really feel like I fit into anything. My relationship with my family is always going to be a little cautious and with my friends like that, really kept me alive all these years since I left home. Like those are my, those are my chosen family and like, I fucking need them. And they're who I cry to and they're who I'm really vulnerable with. I feel like I'm very, I'm still protective of myself with my family. Cause I'm, I'm still shielding like that little kid. When I was a kid, I was so sensitive and I had to mm. put on a really tough fucking front, you know? So with my friends is who I like fall apart to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. Um, you know, I think that when we had Lido Pimienta on, she was also talking about um how when you are also like an artsy kid, uh, it's easy to, you know, reject the stuff that you see. Like, you know, for her growing up in Colombia, she's like rejecting cumbia and rejecting like the music that she heard in carnavales or whatever because she wanted to listen to like radiohead or like you know like yeah whatever we determine is artsy and because like the u.s is hegemonic and also racist like it's also like we like associate like you know high culture with all these white men which you know like i yes. love radiohead too but um mm-hmm. but i think Um, it's so interesting how a lot of just outsider identities sometimes make you feel like just reject stuff that in the end you really needed because you just are trying to feel normal in any goddamn way possible, you know? Yes. Yes. I actually, I listened to that interview and I thought that was so important what she said. And for me, you know, like I have this white skin privilege and Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to look back and be like, yo, that was fucked up, Olinda. Like this Mm -hmm. feeling of just like, well, I guess I'll just be with these like white punk kids because that's who is rebellious and that's who's radical. And then when I found out about like the young lords, I'm like, I didn't know shit about shit. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like the young lords, the women of the young lords, and learning just about like these movements, it it really taught me a lot. And you know, the thing is, it's like, I try to join this group and they're kind of like, oh yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome only if you like, you know, dismiss everything that came with you, you know, like dismiss, if you can join us, if you just like disregard all that. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was a really big moment when Trump was gaining traction that I was like, I cannot do this. I cannot join you motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And of course I was still a punk. I was still radical, but I think I saw a lot of, um, of this just like brainwashing in me that I didn't see before. And that I was like, this is not, I got to really try to reflect on this and, and unlearn it as much as I can. So Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be a lifelong struggle, you know? Yeah, totally. And the thing is that it's not an accident that you didn't know about those things, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. actually systemic and like, you you know, you're not supposed to hear about people that are um, people from your community that have done really radical, amazing things. Like it's actually part of like the whole plan of subjugation, which is why I think it's so important that like people like you exist, like people to, you know, as a person who most of my life is actually in 
figuring out like the details of policy change, but like why I feel that culture work is connected to like my larger activist project is because like Mm -hmm. people need to know about these things because it's like not knowing the fact, not knowing that like, you know, we like all of our communities create beautiful, like radical, weird, artistic things all the time. And there's like this whole history of like Latinx and diasporic weirdos all over the world, like making radical changes and imagining new things, then like, you know, we lose so much. So, um, you know, I think that it's, it's both like, okay, yeah, like you didn't know, like, I didn't know shit about shit. Like I've been there too. Like I didn't know these things and like felt bad not knowing, but also it's like not an accident that you didn't know, you know, it's like mm-hmm. quite of purposeful. Course. Of course. And, you know, I really needed to think back and being like, I couldn't find a Puerto Rican flag in any history book. There was mm. no mention of Puerto Rico. Like that is a, there's a reason for that. They tried to outlaw that fucking flag, you know? Mm, and God. it was just, it was this liberation when I realized, when I learned about Julia de Burgos, when I learned about Silvia Rivera, you know, mm-hmm. like I saw myself in these women and I saw this, like restless fucking wanderer that was just searching for freedom. And whenever I'd been interviewed during small town heroes, they always equated that with like the white male cowboy. Mm. And so that's what was so important about me about creating a character being like Navita, my character, like this isn't a fucking cowboy. This is like a street kid from New York Mm -hmm. who like she is trying to find her freedom, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the, the whole experience was so important for me and it's, you know, an ongoing process and I'm hoping that it's really connected with people. And yeah, I just, I feel really grateful to have been, I felt like I was led, you know, I was getting really mm-hmm. deep in this kind of like connection with ancestors and, mm-hmm. um, I felt like my grandparents were leading me, you know, and I was just kind of like, take Mm -hmm. me. I just want to do something that makes you proud, you know? It's beautiful. Yeah. I feel like that's a good segue to taking a listen to Palante, which I think really, I know, um, has had such an impact on so many people and really became this like anthem, I think, for the Puerto Rican community and diaspora and just like really, really powerful. So let's take a listen to Palante. Well, I just want to go to work and get back home and be something. I just want to fall in line and do my time and be something. Well, I just want to prove my worth on the planet Earth and be something. I just want to fall in love and not fuck it up and feel something. Well, lately, don't understand what I am. Treated as a fool, not quite a woman or a man. I don't know I guess I don't understand the plan Colonized and hypnotized Be something Sterilized, dehumanized Be something Well, take your pay And stay out the way Be something Ah, do your best, but fuck the rest. Be something. Well, lately, it's been mighty hard to see. Just searching for my lost humanity. I look for you, my friend, but do you look for me?
such an incredible song. Such an incredible song. Can you tell us a little bit more about about the inspiration for it? Yeah, I. it took me a long time to write that song. You know, there's many parts. Mm. And the first part yeah. I had written like years ago in a, mm. in a really kind of the beginning of this depression that I was going through, this disillusionment of being like, all right, I got, I made it this far, but I feel like I'm not being myself. And I feel like I don't belong in my own shows, like at my own shows, mm-hmm. you know, wow. So wow. I, I, I wrote that bridge and then, um, I started writing the first part about trying this idea, this restless idea of like, I'm just going to be something. I'm going to make myself something. And this idea that you're being told to become a thing, you know, and, and just how it's this losing game. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the Puerto Rican experience in the States is this losing game that you could just you know, you're a citizen, but we'll never, we're not going to treat you like a full citizen, you know? And, um, then the ending came when I was in the studio that like mm. the whole Balante idea was the last piece. And it was wow. this missing piece that just brought it all together. I knew that I wanted to write this like love song for the for New Yorkans, for Puerto Ricans everywhere, mm-hmm. coming from my experience, um, and that's why the Pedro Pietri Puerto Rican obituary poem is so important to me. Yeah. Uh, it was the perfect glue because when I heard when I read that poem, I had never seen my experience and my father's experience and my family's experience so on paper before. Mm. It was all there, you know. Um, but when I went into the studio, that was when it like unleashed the ending unleashed and it was a really emotional day. And it, me and my producer like cried together listening to it because he was so proud. And, and I felt, I felt like I had been bottled up for so long. And then finally I had this kind of like breakthrough moment. Um, so it was, I was just so, it was such a relief and such a, release of so much yeah it's so powerful yeah I think one of the things that I I really relate to in that song is even just like the first few lines it's like I just want to like make it work (laughs) you know what I mean like I'm not even asking for that much (laughs) just like yeah put me like to do like something worthwhile and like yeah just something you know like yeah it's like people it's like it's not even that big of an ask that's just not actually given to people you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh it's just it's so relatable and it just gets so much more powerful like you know when you start calling out like people's names and like mm-hmm. um and you know like of like ancestors and activists and like you know you hear like Sylvia and I'm like yes Sylvia Rivera <laughs> you know, <it's> <laughs> yeah like, yeah and um and it's, it's, yeah, I really, I think it's so, so amazing. And it really gets at that storytelling piece. I think that you talk about where like storytelling can be a tool to like get people to really um, see an experience in a different way. Right. Because there, there can be like a bazillion articles about, about, you know, the devastation of hurricane Maria. There can be a million un- articles about like La Junta Directiva and like what they're yeah. doing, like the havoc that they're, uh, you know, creating in the Puerto Rican economy and um, and with like people starving and schools closing and like all these things, yeah. but like culture, you know, whether it's like this song that's like very deeply, like it's, it's just something very different than like the articles and stats and, and facts won't ever give you. That is still such an essential component of like getting people to see what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And I feel like so much of Puerto Rican identity has been through culture and poetry and music. And it's like that it's an identity, especially for people on the island that that so many forces have tried to erase. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people still have this identity that is so strong is so amazing. It's like mind boggling to me when I really started to read about it I'm like how did you all keep this so deep inside you being like you will never take this from me 
And it's through the poetry and the music. It's like you, it's been implant, it's been planted in people, you know? And yeah, I just wanted to, I saw it as an opportunity of like, I want to add my little bit of resistance to this very long, beautiful history and plant something that for people who just kind of are grappling with, well, where do I belong? Just kind of planting this thing of like, you, you're, you, you know, you matter and you can claim this and, um, you are a part of this rich history and also playing it for a lot of white audiences. It's felt really powerful to just say like, I'm going to make this very specifically about Puerto Ricanness and New Yorkanness, and if you don't understand it, then you should probably research. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna like make it too easy for you. I'm just gonna say this is the truth. This is what I know to be the truth. And if you don't get the references, go look it up. You know. So right. that's felt like a really good um, step for me personally. Yeah. I, I totally get that because I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes when you're what in whatever like sort of like othered group, like you yeah. are so driven to explain your experience. Yeah. You get to the point where you're like, actually, I'm not going to explain this to you. And you're going to have to sit with the discomfort of feeling like you don't belong in this. Like, yes, <laughs> like is, is such a, I feel like that's like such a moment in like, you know, personal growth as a person who's like, feels they don't belong for a number of reasons you know yeah and also like and then there's this other side of like this is a this is just a human experience also Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's very specific it taught me about being about very specifically telling your truth and how people will relate to it you don't like I I learned for me I just want to tell my truth and not be worried it's too specific because People Mm -hmm. just relate to human struggle and human search for freedom and for meaning, you know, so it it taught me both things. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that I like, I find really powerful about it is that you, like you said, it's like a resistance song. And I think that a lot of times, um, I think that there's definitely a time and a place for like talking about how much suffering um, mm-hmm. There is in some of our communities and like in communities that are consistently and historically marginalized, there's so, so much suffering, but only focusing on suffering really, I think is very flattening and like yes. um, really doesn't get at the, at all of the ways that people every single day are resisting, even like, you know, like the most marginalized, most oppressed, like most, like every, every single day, people are finding a way to be like, fuck out of here. Fuck you. Like I'm resisting. Whether it's like, you know, like crushing glass into like the slave owner stew or like whatever the fuck it is that's happening, you know, like there's ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it taught me to look back on my family and be like, you were all resisting. Mm-hmm. How could I look? How could I have thought that you guys were just kind of, you know, playing it by the rule book? And it's like they were resisting in their own ways. I had no idea what they were dealing with and what they were finding joy in and what they were finding strength in. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like the joy is so important and the resistance is important. And so that's, I don't know the song. I don't feel like I wrote that song. I, I love that song. And I just feel like so grateful that it came to me because it's changed my life really that, that song. So. That's so beautiful. So Linda, what has this quarantena been like for you? How are things going in New Orleans? Well, New Orleans was hit very hard Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's been really incredible to to watch people be so adaptable Mm -hmm. and to be so I've I've witnessed a lot of mutual aid and I think it has a lot to do with people who have already survived the apocalypse you know New Orleans has taught me so much about people experiencing the end of the world and figuring out what's at 
what's on the other side of that? So there's a lot of ways that I've been witnessing that I'm like, people were, are just kind of more fluid with, with these crazy impactful events mm. because they've already experienced something so devastating. And right. um, it's been really incredible to watch people so quickly set up food drop off distributions and to mm-hmm. just like, I've been really amazed at, at watching that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's also so it's, it's like an anger that I'm trying to understand how to release in me that I have. Mm. It's just like, just knowing how many elders we're losing, how many black and brown people are suffering. It's like, it's been really, that anger has been really hard for me to understand what to do with it. Cause I feel this like rage, you know, and thinking about the Bronx, it's been so Mm -hmm. heavy and my dad is still there and I'm so worried about him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so that part has been very challenging for me. And yet there's also been this time of like, I've, I've gotten this time personally to just like rest and create in silence and in stillness. And I've been really needing that. I've been like, the touring was getting, was burning me out. And I was getting Mm -hmm. like a lot of bad anxiety. That's like something I've always struggled with is anxiety and just like stage fright. And like, you know, I, I definitely am like a Pisces. I'm a, I'm a Pisces with a Leo rising. So Mm -hmm. I like, don't know what the fuck is going on with me. You know, (laughs) there are times that my Pisces self is like, I just need to fucking hide and I need to recover. So from in my own life, I've been really valuing this time to hide and to mm-hmm. be quiet and just kind of stay inside and, and create. Yeah. So what's, yeah, what's the creative process been like for you during this? It's been really cool. It's been like uh, to talk about like proving that voice in your head wrong. Like mm. I've been fucking around with gear that I never thought I could before. I've been like slowly collecting little bits of gear, but being like, it's time to just like get an interface and get a fucking microphone and use this OP one and like make some weird sound collage, you know, yes. create some beats. It's been so empowering to be like, I'm just going to make a song by myself and not like wait for somebody to help it come out and to be like, this is what it sounds like in my brain with no like dude at the control board fucking around with it. <laughs> you know, that's so cool. Wow. It's been so cool. That part. It's like, I feel so, I feel like, like a kid again, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was Senya who said like, in her interview that she like needed to heal this relationship with making music. And Mm -hmm. I really related to that very deeply. I really needed to heal that relationship. I was like, why do I do this? And why does it, it was just starting to feel so like, I felt like I was fried. Like all my nerves were just like fried, fizzled out. And it feels so good to go back to this other way of creating. Mm -hmm. So are you working on a new album or project? Yes. During this time, I was supposed to be in the studio. So (laughs) now... Like Kenya, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm collecting some shit and I'm like looking for different... You know, I want to collaborate with different producers and Mm -hmm. um, I'm just like making a lot of demos at my house and really trying to piece together a project. I have a lot of songs that I'm really happy with. So I feel lucky in that way that inspiration is definitely flowing to me. It's just a matter of finding the right creative partners. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been cool to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more purposeful of being like, I really want to seek out Latinx uh, creators. I want to seek out people that are not just like your average indie rock white dude, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's felt really good. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, I wonder if we should end with um, a song. We've been asking people what music is kind of inspiring them outside of their own catalog during this quarantine time. Is there a song that you would want our listeners to listen to that's in that vein for you? There's Beverly Glenn Copeland that I feel like is having a renaissance right now, um, which I think is a really good ending song. I think we should do that. It's called Ever New. And it's from actually the 70s. And he's a transgender activist and composer who's having this like, he's like on Facebook Live doing shows again. He's like probably in his 80s, I think. I I hate to like age him, but I I don't know like how old the activist, but. but this song is so beautiful and his voice is so incredible and it's very like using electronics but it's so rich and human and his voice is incredible and I've been thinking so much about nature and our survival as humans and how it's tied into the whole natural world and Ever New is such a great song about that, about just like our continuation on the earth, even when we feel like it's the end, you know. Welcome the spring and the summer rain. for joining us this was such a delightful conversation really really appreciate you i appreciate you guys so much um thank you so much also like you guys really got me into bad bunny and i (laughs) (laughs) from the bottom of my fucking heart i'm so obsessed yeah (laughs) and it's just like a joy yeah, I love that. I love that so Maybe much. y'all need to collaborate someday. <laughs> well, I did spend <laughs> multiple weeks learning Si Veo a Tu Mama. Okay. Oh God, okay. Isn't that so amazing? I it's love that It's just one. like, it's, when I broke it down, I was like, this is just a beautiful, like, jazz song. This is actually it's an like, incredible song. Yeah. I yeah, I put, I added it to my, like, quarantine covers on Instagram. And of course, like all my cousins are acting a fool, like tagging him over and over again. I'm like, he is not watching this, you guys, but (laughs) go ahead. You never know. You never know. (laughs) The other day he was listening to Uskabuya on his story. So, you know, I screamed. I screamed when I saw that. I I know. Amazing. He's got time too, you know, we're all exploring. It's so (laughs) true. This is the time to get at these people. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Well, thank you so much. It's so lovely to talk to you. I, uh, you know, I've followed your work for many years, and it's so lovely to like just hear your work develop and how you talk about Mm -hmm. it and how you think about it. It's just such an honor to witness. So, thank you for that. Thank you, guys. I hope we all get to hang out soon someday. Love that. (laughs) Soon. Let's pray for a vaccine. (laughs) I know. Right. Exactly. All right, y'all, as always, everything that we listened to today is in the show notes. So you'll have all the details about um, the songs, Alinda's songs, and uh, the song from the artist that she brought in the show notes. And at RileyMania.com. 
Um, we also have a special announcement, which is that um, a poster that Veto designed is now available for sale for a limited time in our store at radiomenea.com. It's a really beautiful drawing done based on these New York City salsa posters from the 70s, like inspired by that. Um, it says, menos violencia, más perreo. And I think it's super rad and they are available for sale. So if you're looking for some new art for your home, if you want to support Radio Menea, go take a look. We're only going to be selling them for a short amount of time because um, of some summer travel and whatnot. And so you can order it online now before June 10th and we'll make sure to ship it out to you. And then you'll have to wait till the fall if you don't get it on it before then. So go check it out. Most of the stuff in our store is sold out, but we do have these posters so go check it out at RileyMinette.com. They're really, really beautiful. And I think you want one for your wall. Oh, thank you, Pettis. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, and make sure you're following us on social media. We also have a newsletter. All the links are in the show notes. And thank you all so much for your continued support of this show and for listening. And we really hope that you are surviving in, as much as you can in this time. Yeah, we haven't done a new music episode in a really long time, but I'm trying really hard to bring new music every week to you on Instagram, on our stories. So mm-hmm. if you're paying attention, usually like sometime during the weekend, I'll like figure out what's come out in the last week, two, three, and like post what we've been feeling. So mm-hmm. um, check that out there, but we'll have a new music episode coming for you soon. I hope you all are well. Your people are well. Sending much love to all of you. Cuídense. Y hasta la próxima. Ciao.